Enter the crib. Your strike back sit rep starts in three, two, one. Wait, do we go on zero? All right, Meavers, welcome back. This is your episode five sit rep. As always, mild spoilers ahead. You have been warned. We will do our review. We have behind the scene facts from showrunner Jack Lothian. And then our interview with the absolutely hilarious Victoria Smurfit. She had Deb and I in stitches. I kid you not. She, We were just cracking up. She's lovely. You guys are going <laughs> to love that. So make sure you stick around. All right, Deb, episode five. Moving on to a new block. What did you think? I have to be honest, Kels. Episode five left me feeling a little more subdued than I'm used to feeling at the end of a strike back episode. But I mean, I thought it was great. It was just not quite the ramped up action that we're we're used to and you know looking back it's it's episode five we're at sort of that turning point in the season where things are starting to be revealed secrets are starting to come out and there actually was a lot that happened in this episode we learned a lot we had a lot of surprises there just wasn't the huge action that we've had since the first episode and you know i guess that that's okay we need those quieter episodes now and then and this certainly had a lot going on, just not as explosively as we're used to. Um, so no big action scene. I thought it was really interesting with Beshnoff coming out and being so sort of unhinged about the whole thing and, you know, stating that Zarkova is Kingfisher, which I don't really believe that to you. No. Mac feels like he's really starting to take on take this leadership role pretty seriously, which I'm liking. It's like, okay, we're starting to see the old Mac come out that, you know, he, he really was a soldier and he's kind of feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm getting back into this soldiering thing. And Gillespie, wow, don't like her at all. <laughs> we love you, Victoria Smurfit, but um, really not liking your character because yay, yeah. yuck. Yeah, just, ew, she's, ugh. No Kim Martinez, that's for sure. So yeah, and then that sort of smoldering thing going on between Coltrane and, and Zarkova. Zarkova well, yeah. That was a little unexpected, but that yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so how about you, Kels? What do you think? So, you know, I've been thinking about it because you had said that before that you thought it wasn't like, and I felt like it was super action-packed. I mean, you had them taking down the relay station. And I'm going to just drop in really quick. If somebody can tell us the gun that they were firing on the back of the truck, Mac Yelson Novin, get on the 50 cal. My husband, Lieutenant Commander of the Navy, was like, that's not a 50 cal. That's an M240. We have these on the rib boats. I want to know if he's right or not. So Paul Bettis or whoever, anybody, if you're like, I know what that is. It's kind of hard to see on the TV. You know, let me know because I'm curious whether I get to say, good job, hubs, or do I get to give him shit? I don't know which one I'm hoping for, but I liked it. I liked and this episode. can we just point out, if Kelsey wants to know behind the scenes stuff, it's pretty important. Oh, so. my God. <laughs> I'm just never going to live that down. I'm talking marital <laughs> discord here, so. Uh, but, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. I mean, we had some, I love that action. Big what the fuck moment at the end. Uh, yeah. For me, you know, some, some cool stuff going on. It's a good transition episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, Okay, we're going to go right to that what the fuck moment. Are we? Should we do emotional first? All right. Okay, we can do emotional. Okay, no, no, no. We're going to do the what fuck moment. We're going to count down. We're going to see oh, if we okay. name the same person. Okay, because seriously, I don't know how we don't have the same what the fuck moment. So I'm going to count to three. I'd be surprised. And after three, we're going to say the name of the person it's involving. Are you ready? Okay. okay. One, two, three. Pause. Nah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a shock to me that Pavel is a little more involved than we thought he was. That So it wasn't really a what the fuck for me. It was like, oh, okay, I was kind of right. Pavel's a little deeper in this and a little more important than we thought. So where that's going to go, who knows? But obviously he is not Pavel. Yeah. That wasn't, that was a sort of like, hmm, all right. No, I don't know. He's been so cute and like, uh, yes, I know. We're all like, ooh, there's more to him. But I just love, he's so quippy and funny. And then he just like went cold and he killed the colonel. And he's like, who is Pavel? And I literally was like, what the fuck? So of course I have to, if I'm going to say that, I mean, that has to be my (laughs) moment. I mean, I just can't, I can't just say it and it not be in the review. But all right, so Wyatt. Yeah, for me, Wyatt, because... 
excuse me, but what the fuck? Why are we the only ones who don't know what Task Force 18 is? <laughs> the whole world seems to know what ta- Task Force 18 is, except for his 20 teammates. You know, possibly even 20. Who knows? But that's hard to believe if all these, even going back to last season, you know, like bit players, the white separatists or white supremacists yeah, last yeah. year even knew what Task Force 18 was. So what the fuck? It's time for us to know. It is time. So hopefully we know soon. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So yeah, emotional moment. You said next. Uh, for me, Novin talking about Jensen to Cheddar's when she says, I'm forgetting him. I mean, my heart just broke for her. And then she does that thing where she sucks it all in and closes it off. And she's just like, works, work. Don't go close to anybody. And that's so Novin's coping strategy. Just wall it all off. And that wall is going to crumble and come down. And it's going to be really, really hard when it does. You can already see it crumbling. And it's just, oh, it's breaking my heart. And then when she said, when Coltrane wanted her to go in undercover, and she looked a little nervous, and then she sort of, you know, steeled herself and said, yeah, okay, it's worth it which was like a total throwback to that conversation she had with Jensen about, is all this worth it? Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah, that's rough. All right, for you, emotional moment? For me, emotional moment was actually a complete lack of emotion between Mac and Gillespie. (laughs) When she tried to put the moves on him, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have another little, you know, patented strike back sex scene between two people who hate each other. And then Mac was just like, totally cold. So like kissing a snake. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Ouch. (laughs) And you guys, we totally did talk to Victoria about that in the interview. So (laughs) you have that to look forward to. Yeah. I kept waiting for her to go, well, wait, don't you want to think about it? Like Mac did when he got dissed. But, you know, I thought it was great. Mac finally got to diss someone. That was awesome. Man, she plays bad. So good. Oh, she's just. I mean, right from the start, she's setting them up. I Ew. Just don't yeah. like her. Like, how yeah. dirty is she? I can't oh, wait yeah. to find out. Oh, yeah. So dirty. All right. What's your fight of the night? Yeah, that was a little tough because there were no, like, big, big fights. There were fights, but nothing spectacular like we've gotten used to. But for me, it was Novin and... Gabriella. Gabriella. Yes, thank you. Um, who looked an awful lot like Novin. But... Um, <laughs> perfect undercover role there but that i mean it was just so unexpected that gabriella was like this total badass sort of ninja thing going on here i'm like that i mean it was great because it even startled novin like wait a minute what's going on here and and it boy she was like a scrappy little vicious fighter there that was it was she whipped out that knife oh that was yeah it wasn't as menacing as gopan's knife but it was it was pretty yeah yeah the way she held it, it was like, oh, she's done this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was good. Yes, because you're like, and that's my fight of the night, too. I mean, this very put-together woman in this white suit, and then, man, she's just tearing it up. The colors with the white suit and the flowers that they were fighting in, and that it was, it was really good. Yeah. So lots of questions going forward from this episode. Lots, I mean, lots. We got some answers, but the kind of answers that lead into more questions. Pavel obviously a bad guy is he part of the russian government that's bad is he a rogue is he a rogue part of the russian government that's bad <laughs> and what will katrina do about it that's my obviously my big well one. this is sort of our second appearance of like a nationalist movement didn't they have a conversation about like certain factions with the in the fsb having like really strong nationalist tendencies didn't that's... wasn't there sounds familiar and then you know we had the whole <laughs> hindu nationalism thing yes, going on yeah, in, yeah. in uh episodes three and four and now well, is this what's it's very that timely makes sense that they have have yeah. an allegiance that go pen know that so all roads leading back to pavel phenomenal what was your, is that your big question as well for the for the episode that and task force 18 task like force, it's yeah. time well, I want to know, Dan, what, what's what is going haunting on? Dan? Yeah. What? What's haunting Wyatt? Yeah. <laughs> because it's really tearing him apart. I mean, he's he's willing to possibly have killed for this just to yeah. to go off mission, threaten a mission and kill for this to cover up whatever Task Force 18 is. Right. If we believe that he killed that guy or I mean, we know he killed him, but yeah. did he outright yeah. murder him um, and break mission mission protocol? Oh, you know, Wyatt. so that and. Woo. 
with are we going to see any more of this little spark between Zarkova and Coltrane or weird chemistry as you call it weird chemistry <laughs> don't call it that Jane Bamber does not take kindly to weird chemistry <laughs> he's, a, he's a science purist chemistry yeah. is chemistry chemistry is chemistry two beautiful people whatever okay fine doing experiments <laughs> together <laughs> Getting that Bunsen burner going. Oh, my God. All right, guys. Well, that is it for our review. Stay tuned. We've got some really phenomenal exclusive behind-the-scenes facts from Jack Lothian. We've got Overwatch. Jack's facts coming in. All right, and we are back with more uh, BTS facts from Jack Lothian. The episode originally opened with the truck already crashed into the tree, but the networks felt we needed to see the crash actually happening, so we filmed the truck and the scorpion and the crash about two months later as a reshoot. And I'm so glad you guys did that because I just love the way it turned out. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I especially love the squishy of the scorpion. <laughs> I love it. That's kind of why it caused the accident because the guy turned like, <laughs> and he turns and goes into the tree. Oh, I love that. You heard that, right, Kels? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you need to go rewatch it so you can yep, hear it splat. It. it was pretty funny. Yep. Okay, Jack's facts. There's a huge military plane in the background of the Pavel and Veshnov airport tarmac scene and a group of soldiers unloading off the back of it. That wasn't us. They were just there anyway and very kindly had no objections to us putting them and their airplane into the scene. <laughs> That's awesome. Gee, would you guys mind being in the strike back? <laughs> well, we better get that cleared. Right. I guess no SAG rules. They're just like, sure. They're all okay. for their royalty checks. Right. The takedown of the relay station was suggested by our military advisor, Paul Bittis. We love you, Paul. As a good way for the team to be able to knock out the drug lord's comms and eavesdrop on him. It also makes us very happy when someone suggests blowing something up as a viable military tactic. I love it. We also love that. We appreciate it. And we don't even care if it's viable. Just blow some (laughs) shit up, baby. Okay. The arms dealer, Gabriella, is played by Alin's stunt double, Jade Gregorious. Well, there you go. That's why she looked like a little mini me. You can see more of her awesome work in Sensate. Woohoo! And the upcoming Charlie's Angels film. Jade's incredible, and we really wanted to work in a way to have the two of them face off on screen this season. Well, that was just like perfect. Yeah. yeah. That was brilliant. Really well done. Two total badasses going at each other. We love it. The casino town of Changzhou is based on a real place in Myanmar called. Mong La, which has casinos with glass tanks of tiger wine containing whole tiger skeletons floating inside. Both the casino interior and the tiger tank were designed by our ace art director, Mike Gunn, and were filmed on a soundstage in Pinewood, which I find hilarious that they film everything on location but the tiger wine. (laughs) Mike is a fan of the Scottish soccer team, Heart of Midlothian, and often... (laughs) Often sneaks the numbers five and one into his designs. This is a reference to when the Hearts beat their arch rivals Hibs by five goals to one to win the Scottish Cup in 2012. And we will share you guys. Um, Jack sent us a picture. If you're watching the scene when Wyatt walks into the bar, there's kind of like a glass overlay. And there's like some numerals and and lettering, and there's a five and a one at the at the beginning and end. And I I just think that's that's very like sports fan. Way to go, Mike. <laughs> so now we're going to spend, like, on the 40th time that I rewatch this, because you know I do that, I'm going to spend, like, one entire rewatch just looking for fives and ones. <laughs> you do that. I'll go listen to the Scorpion and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We filmed all the Changzhou exteriors in a small town called Kalapa Sawit in Malaysia, and the locals could not have been nicer about us showing up to turn their lovely village into a neon-drenched gang paradise. It was another great job by the art department. All the neon, the lights, the stalls, the animals were things that they brought in to transform the town. Wow, that's incredible, because that was, I mean, that was, especially the neon and those, like, that huge tiger sign was just gorgeous. Even in the middle of the day, the the lighting was kind of amazing, so, wow. Just incredible. The attraction between Coltrane and Katrina was never part of the original plan, but the idea started forming while watching the filming of episodes 3 and 4 and seeing how they played on camera. Or, as Block 2 director Paul Wilmshurst put it, they've got sizzle. 
But for real, who does Jamie Bamber not have sizzle with? I mean, my God, the man is like Cylons? sex on a stick. Know. Oh my God, Cylons fair. <laughs> but you know, yes. And Jamie, sorry again. We called your our, we I called your chemistry weird. And that's it for this time. Stick around for Victoria Smurfett. Hey, we're not at Xville. Stay with us at the crib. Welcome back, neighbors. We are very excited to welcome our guest for episode five, who plays uh, DEA agent Lauren Gillespie. And you all probably recognize her from her role as Cruella DeVille, the, as she just said, only evil born evil on Once Upon a Time, or from last season's series of Marcella, in which she's co-starred with Jamie Bamber in a very, very dark police thriller. Or you may recognize her from my favorite role of hers as Orla O'Donnell on Belly Kiss Angel. So not an evil person, per se. <laughs> like I said to you, it was 2040. You don't have to play evil till you hit 40. Then that's all you get, love. <laughs> uh, show, and I loved you in it. And um, welcome to the sit rep. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Okay, we're going to kick this right off. It didn't take long to figure out that I did not like DEA agent Lauren Gillespie. <laughs> and I'm wondering just how fun it was to play a character who basically was playing everybody else while they were there. You know what? I might take I might take the mick about you only played the good people till you hit 40 and then you played the tough people and the evil and the twisty. But it's sort of one of those, I feel like it's one of God, Allah, Buddha, the universe's gifts to you that like gravity might be taking hold, but you're going to get all the fun roles and the much better ones. So Orla O'Connell was a delight to play in Bally Angel and I loved and adored her. And she was brilliant. But the most edgy thing about her was her woolly hats. Whereas the women that I get to play now are so much more complicated because, I mean, you just know as a, as, a, as a human being, you get more complicated the older you get. Now... DEA Lauren Gillespie is she's pretty dark. Um, yeah, she, she, <laughs> I love her. Like, That's I kind. want to go to dinner with her. I want to go to dinner with her because she is dark business. She is playing, you, you know what she is. Actually, first. hang on a second, Deb. Hang on a second. She's a woman in a tough situation in a dark part of the world doing a really tough job trying to survive. That's what she's trying to do. She's trying to survive. She's trying to find the best way forward. She's trying to find a way to be able to do her job, tick the box, get her bosses at home to say, you're the best thing in the world. And the people that she's dealing with to go, you're the best people in the world. Let me do everything for you. So she's playing both sides. Yes, potentially. She might be not necessarily telling the truth at any particular point, if at all. Ever. However, <laughs> however... She's just doing her best in a bit of a tricky situation. That would be my take on it because I can never not love the one play. I have to go, I told, I get you, girl. I understand. I know what you're dealing with. You go. You go. <laughs> so I have to do, as an actress, I have to be very much in her corner. And I thought what she was doing was perfectly reasonable. Now, Jamie Bamber's character, Coltrane, is arriving. He's coming as the big, great white hope. She's got a situation where she realizes that she has a drug dealer's brother that she has to deal with. Much better to do it while you have some backup. As far as she's concerned, Coltrane's the idiot for not bringing the fire weapons, for bringing firearms, and ending up in a sticky situation. Because why would you turn up without the firearms? So she's always, she's always just unpicking a problem in the most reasonable way possible. Though to a generally large kind morally thinking person it may not make sense but to her i get it totally get it i'm with her i love that the lady, <laughs> the lady from the dea was on her game until she's not on her game she's on her game she's on her game but we can't figure out what her game is <laughs> don't ask questions you don't want the answers to Deb. that's all i'm saying she's on her game and she's and you know what? If you're going to be collateral damage, 
you move to the side or your collateral damage. So I actually think she's perfectly reasonably within her rights to do what she's got to do when she's got to do it. Like I'm dealing with section 20 here. I'm not dealing with Bob the broccoli chopper and Whole Foods. I'm dealing <laughs> with section 20, okay? They're pretty tough. They are pretty tough. And she does tell them straight up from the beginning, this is a Wild West and she's a cowboy. And let me tell you, you nailed that like American swagger, which honestly for me, knowing you most at, from as Corella and then also from Marcella, like as soon as you started talking and it started like that, the, just the way you moved. And I was like, who is this? Yay, that's <laughs> such a amazing. win for me. Bless your heart. Thank you. Because that was, that was my last day filming, actually. It was really? my last day filming. I just eat. <laughs> we were, I'm going to give you some insider here. So that day was my last day on set and it was my first shooting day of the of the, uh, the couple of episodes. And I was sick as a pike because I had managed, I had left, they give you food and obviously, and I'd said, oh, I'll have it in a bit. And our glorious, like our ADs and everyone were so fantastic and they were so lovely. But I managed to put my food in a plastic box squirrel it away not realizing i'd squirreled away in the sunshine didn't think it through because of course you're in malaysia and was so focused on i had a huge amount of dialogue huge amount of stuff to do and i was concentrating on that so when it came i said oh i'm hungry i should eat something i then end up feeling so ill that i'm sitting at that table delivering pages of dialogue thinking i'm going to vomit over all of any particular moment now don't tell the actors i said this Let's hope you don't listen, because <laughs> I was as sick as a dog. Wow. But, you know, due, well, to, due to the power of stubbornness, I, I, I didn't. But, um, yeah, that was that was a that was fun. though. It was fun. And we got to do lots of action and Jamie Bamber's being a hero. And we're, oh, it was just great fun. Well, that's good. I'm thinking I just thinking back to the scene and I'm picturing you and I'm like, maybe it wasn't all just heat sweat. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of heat sweat, but there was also a vomit on your coaster sweat. Because apparently that's not nice. Oh, I don't know why. I know, weird. There's sort of a history of that being, of that happening on Strike Back, of everybody just being sick and needing, needing to vomit throughout the entire production, so... Yeah, you are. I mean, they are taken. The, the thing that I loved so much about being on the on the strike back set was that you're in a bubble. You're in a bubble of do the work, get the work done. You're all playing action heroes. It's you're taken to the edge of your adrenaline. You're taken to the edge of your physicality. You're taken to the edge of your emotional situation. You're taken to the edge of remembering this very wordy dialogue you're taking you're taken to the edge of where you can go and there is no room for any hashtag issues whatsoever you can't be worrying about any sensibilities because you're pouring with sweat your hair is a fro your makeup's fallen off it's boobs and guns and um, <laughs> and hooks and uh, mosquitoes and you're all held together in a very tight caring situation the production the producers the actors everybody is taking care of each other because you're outside of your norm you're not in your your you're you're in the jungle you're in the jungle and so anything where they go, they applied that sweat super well. Yeah, no, that's just how we are. <laughs> and you're also carrying huge packs and you're also running and fighting and learning to use guns and making sure that you're protecting each other because there's certain distances that you can use these guns at because they're blanks. There's, you know, there's a huge amount of technical and physical stuff needed. And I have to say, the two boys, I mean, all of them, I have, I, all, all of them, but Dan Warren and Arlene were so incredible, being the three regulars, at setting the tone of you will be safe, you will be minded, if you need anything, we're here. So on top of the vast performances that they're bring, bringing, on top of the physicality, because they finish their jobs and 
they go to the gym. They don't finish their 15-hour day and then sit in a bucket of mashed potato as I did because I've only got a few weeks. They they finished their job then got back to the gym. You know, they are they're incredible. And V and and uh, and Yas, you know, were in that world uh, as well. But these guys had already done a year so they knew the they knew how it worked out. They're extremely dedicated, hardworking people. Like it's, it's, and it's inspiring. So you get on set. My point being, you get on set and you're like, let's go. I want to shred. Do I, do I want to shred or do I want to go? <laughs> so um, it's pretty, it, they're, it's, it's a fun, fun job to do for that reason. Well, I have to ask because, I mean, you joke about sitting in a tub of mashed potatoes, but I mean, you're pretty fit. <laughs> you know, that's, it's, it's not enough. like you're rolling around, you know. Um, so, and, and you look great. You move great. You're obviously, you look familiar with the guns as you're using them in the show. And so we were just curious, what sort of, did you go through the same sort of training that the, uh, the rest of the team did? Or what did you do to work up to the season? Um, well, I went to, I went through, so Paul Bittis is our, uh, military advisor as I'm sure you know and he um he brought me through you arrive and I'd been in Europe with my children and just took literally I think I traveled for something like 32 hours to get to um uh get to work and he brought us uh he brought me through okay you're going to be working with the AK-47s you're going to be working with this you're going to be working with that and first I'm always very cautious I worked with guns on trial and retribution and I've worked on guns with guns with other shows but I've always been, I'm, I'm slowly, slowly catching monkey. I like one moment of, I, I have a vast respect for the gun. I find, like I have a vast respect for the sea. I grew up by the sea, but I have a vast respect for it. I understand its power. Yeah. Um, I understand the gun's power. I'm also a mother. So I'm on the mortality cycle of, oh my God, I'm totally terrified. So it takes me a beat to be able to go, okay, show me everything, do the thing. Then once I get comfortable with it, all bets are off. I'm like, let's go! <laughs> Love it. But I need to do it in my time. In my, It doesn't take a huge amount of time. It really actually doesn't take a huge amount of time. But I have to take, that's my journey to watch, listen, learn, go, and then go. And Paul's very, very clear. And he's very, you feel safe. You feel safe around him. And um, and he shows you the, how the actual gun works so that a bit like if you're scared, if you're scared of a plane, you should learn how to fly the bloody thing. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, well, if I'm scared of a gun, I should know how does the entire thing work? Now, I understand a bullet comes out and kills people. But before then, how does the rest of it work? And then you're less terrified because you know how to protect yourself and uh, monitor and maintain that. So, so yes, and I did. <laughs> I came back. One day we were in a, a field and I was learning. I was doing the gun work. And as I came back and I, Dan and Warren was like, you look like a, a Republican's uh, a Republican dream. I'm like, how do I look like a Republican's dream? Because I was blonde hair, boobs, blonde <laughs> <laughs> you know what i probably actually did and that's no, just i mean when i say republicans obviously you know what i mean yeah, i mean like yes, the whole yes that's yes, we, we uh, know no we know, <laughs> we know. <laughs> we've got you uh, it, was, it was yeah it was fun it was fun but it's a skill and you have to learn and it's really scary when you get into the scene and you realize you've got dialogue everybody's got guns everybody has to be respectful for the space of uh, you know it's 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 a skill it's really interesting and it's good to be scared i think following up on that you said it Sorry, it's good to be scared is there a particular scene that was very scary that maybe something went wrong or was just so physically demanding or just tested you in a way that you weren't quite prepared no. for no, there was one scene in the following episode. Um, there's a couple of scenes that are where we were basically running a quarter of a mile every take, which mm -hmm. was fun and challenging because it was get the car to the right spot. You're deaf, get the shoot the right guys in the right space, keep running, get the thing work. You know, the logistically and physically that was fun. It wasn't scary, but well, I suppose it was scary from the point of view of, I'm always slightly scared because I don't want to screw up. I, I have a, an issue with that. 
So I want I want to get it right. And there was another scene in the following episode towards the end that negotiated a lot of bells and whistles, shall we say? Because I don't want to give away any story because you got to watch this stuff, right? But it's it's also you're you know you, you you come away at the end of the day you know beaten up and bruised. But I see that only as a badge of honor. I only I only see that as a oh yeah because in one scene a bullet case trapped and blew out of the gun and hit me in the eye. Um, I, I I had a fantastic shiner which I was so proud of. Um, <laughs> and, and I hope it ends up on camera because otherwise what's the point? Um, <laughs> But it was, it was, you know, because you obviously we shoot out of sequence, so thankfully yeah. I had enough time to get over it. But uh, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's great fun, and I'm sort of proud. Like it hit you in the eye, and you're like ah, right, crack on, <laughs> and you keep you keep going. But you know, you're it's uh, I, I I just loved every second of it, and it's great fun storytelling. It it is. It's very good storytelling. Well, with all that intensity, you obviously yeah. need some time off. So I'm going to tell you, you have kicked off. Uh, quite a string of wonderful conversations with your suggestion of a of a question to Dan. What was your favorite sandwich at the Mandarin <laughs> Oriental? And we just talked to uh, Verada yesterday, and we said, "Do you have any suggestions of questions? You know, for upcoming?" And she, her, immediately she was like, "Ask Vicky about the Mandarin Oriental." I was like, "Man, <laughs> <laughs> you guys—they're <laughs> getting a lot of free publicity this tour." Uh, so we got to ask you. What's your story? So the Mandarin Oriental was where we would go to decompress because in I have I have an issue staying in a place where I can't get bacon. I'm just I'm Irish, no pig died. Yeah. <laughs> and I just give me the bacon, show me the bacon, make the bacon happen in my face. So you have to, you know, you gotta understand you're trying to be fit and strong. So and the lads are so dedicated, as is Yaz, as Brad, and they're 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 doing all that protein stuff. And I'm really just thinking, I can't get I'm in Malaysia. I can't get my bacon in the morning. So we go to we go to the Mandarin Oriental. And as far as I was concerned, the club sandwich became oh like it's it was it became the heavenly thing that you waited all week for. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, there might have been some cocktails with it. And so it just became the place where you go to not worry about what's the size of my butt and am I going to be able to run and can I shoot stuff? It was the place you went when I'm going to have some bacon. I need some French fries. I need some ketchup. I need some I need some vodka based cocktails. And after that, and to the point where they go, oh, you're going to go lie by the pool. I'm like, no, because that's an extra four feet for the waitress to get the cocktail to me if I stay here <laughs> it's going to happen much quicker so it was it was just when you work hard you've got to relax hard and I don't advocate necessarily that cocktails and pork is what's going to do it for everybody but it's what does it for me <laughs> well my Irish American heart is in love with you so <laughs> okay well there you go I mean I can see you've got Irish you you couldn't look more Irish if you tried like so I I, I get it so coming into getting to go back to being a little serious then, uh, coming into this cast that's already been not only have the main three shot, you know, together last year, but they've all been doing this for two blocks and then you come in. Yeah. I guess you seem very personable, so maybe you don't have a difficulty fitting in right away. But <laughs> was it difficult or was it I mean, in having Jamie there and knowing him from the past, did that help with that? Or was it just like I'm outgoing. I fit in wherever I go. Well, it's, you know what? It doesn't matter how personable you think you might be or how, like I can talk to the wall and I have no problem with that. And I love that. But if the, if no, if they're not receptive, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how chatty or whatever that you are. If they're not, if they're not up for it and if they take one look at you and go, you're an idiot. Well, then you're sat in your room by yourself reading your newspaper by yourself and that's the long the short of it and it's happened you know it happens to all of us at some point but with this particular cast they are they they work so hard and they're so dedicated to what they do and they're so determined to make everything look as real as possible and I'm not you know you've met me for 10 minutes you already know I'm a bit of an idiot and I like I do like to be able to balance up 
I like to take my work very seriously, but myself with no seriousness whatsoever. So I can go to work and be on my game. But then once they've called wrapped, I'm like, oh, okay, what are we doing? So it was, they were extremely kind, extremely welcoming. I was very lucky to get on really well with all of them straight off the bat. And I have this saying, so I believe very much. I remember saying, um, I remember saying to Pete that um, I have a rule. When you get on set, you always have to find out where the Egypt is. Because if you can't find the Egypt, you're the Egypt. You're, you're it. <laughs> so, uh, and I was looking around and I went, two days in, I'm like, I can't find the Egypt. That's me. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I couldn't, and they're all really, really, really lovely. So, no, I, I didn't, um, they were very welcoming from the off. I was, I was very lucky. And, and lovely Alec Newman, who, who plays the, uh, um, uh, the body. And he's just spectacular. And I'd worked with him before in Dracula and became oh. best with his wife, Heather. Yeah, because he was, he came in episode, well, maybe five on Dracula, five and six. I can't, I can't remember now. Oh, okay. He, uh, um, I, I chopped his head off. I need to go back oh. and watch that because I don't remember him being in it. Yeah, he, he came in as, as the big, bad, dark um, vampire, whose name I can't remember because, you know, hello, nice rock. Um, but he, because uh, the minute I saw him, I'm like, ah, Alex's there. And uh, yeah, I chopped his, I chopped his head off uh, in, in Dracula. So we got to play and he was, he was playing Russian and I'm playing yeah. American. And the two of us are trying to outbaddy each other. It was great fun. Yeah, we're excited to talk to him. We're going to talk to him about episode seven. So Fabulous. He's fabulous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's just been doing. Uncle right Bad from the get go. Yeah. Yes, oh, I've seen actually him posting about that. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Honestly, um, honestly, they are all fabulous. But it was lovely, just to answer your, your question fully, it was lovely to go on set and see lovely Jamie Bamber's most delicious face. I mean, handsomest man on the planet. There he is, being so lovely and kind. And so it was lovely to be able to see him. Yeah, he's a he's an absolute delight and was so kind and made it made it like home from home, you know? Yeah. Exactly. We were uh, just uh, going to ask you about that because we're both big fans and it kind of ended a little bit on a cliffhanger as far as what we could expect from your character. Are going to be back next season? My guess would be no, because they don't mm -hmm. tend to bring their guest stars forward. Okay. Um, they'll just yeah. go. They'll just go to I think the guest stars live, live and die for a specific reason to move the narrative on to a particular point where the actual focal point of the story, which is obviously Aunt Marcella, right. um, that we're, there, we're there as red herrings and as instigators for their story. We're not there to, we're not there to be unpicked on a longer level, you yeah. know? So, so I always think it's very important if you take a job that you understand what your job is and you understand where you live in the hierarchy and you understand where you live within the story. Because I write as well. So the idea that as an actor, you turn around and go, yeah, but what am I feeling right now? And someone goes, it doesn't really matter because you're there as a facilitator. Don't annoy me with your feelings. Work it out. You make it happen however you need it to be for yourself. But don't annoy me because that's not necessary. So that would be very much my take, which is, you know, know where you fit. Know where you fit. Yeah. I guess we were curious because of the, I don't want to, if somebody hasn't seen the end of season two, the sort of your relationship with Jamie's character and where yes. that kind of led. I didn't know if we would see that come back up again. It would be super easy to make something yeah. happen from that point be super easy it's open to a point of you can deal with it or you can just ignore it and move on to something different yeah and uh, and that's up to Hans Rosenfeld and he's the king uh so he'll do listen if Anna Freel, Hans if Nicola Larder the producer if any of them there uh within ITV wanted me to come back to play could you be the door handle for four episodes I'd be like I'll be the door handle because they're the most incredible, wonderful people to work with. And it was great fun. It was a real learn because it was an, it's a completely different thing when you're working on a show where, and Jamie and I would talk about it, you wouldn't know who the murderer was. You hadn't a clue. 
and don't give it away for anybody who hasn't watched it. It's on Netflix. Everybody dial in, tune in, watch it. So you're 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 opening up the the episode and you're like, what's happening? And you still don't know. You have no idea. So sometimes you do a scene where they'd say, give me, give it to me like you are the murderer and give it to me like you're not. So you get to do the scene in two different ways sometimes, depending on the director. Yeah, it was fascinating. In the edit, they can do, they can do the minutiae of what they need. Manipulate the story. Yeah. That is fascinating. That's awesome. Fascinating. And really quite discombobulating for the actor. Um, but at the same time, yeah. probably a really good yeah. thing so that we can't manipulate the way, you know, we can't because an actor will automatically go, it's all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about the story. It's about the story and the right. story you're telling. But we will naturally, a bit like a child, will naturally think that the entire family d- dynamic is about the six-year-old. It's not about you, Pat. It's about the entire family dynamic. But how you're built is to think... I must run my ship. And that's brilliant. And you need everybody running their own ship very tight. But the reality is it's about the story that you're telling. So like I say, door handle, happily. So I think that's so interesting because you had mentioned before we before we got on that you like to, that you can identify with your character. You know, you're, you, know you find the good in them or you, the reasons for them doing it. And I guess I'm thinking about the Marcella and if you're like get to the end of the season and you're like thank god I'm not the murderer or thank god I am the murderer or if you have in your head this like you know sympathy for that you know even though it's a character for that oh but you've got to understand I was playing Cruella and I completely understand why she needed everybody dead I totally understood darling because they're just in her way and it's really rather inconvenient and she's trying to make things happen so you know when you're playing them you have to understand why I'm just in my way darling I'm very terrible and I had to leave her in the forest to die you know I get it I feel like I'm blushing like you just made my like once upon a time fan heart like my just all my dreams just came true and I'm like oh don't blush it's okay Well, you're easy to please. That's excellent. <laughs> That's funny. But, well, so but, actually yeah. speaking of, I do have a fan question for you. We had uh, at BRC Heaven write in and ask how your character this season on Strike Back is different or similar from Cruella. Oh, super different. For a start, no puppies. Lauren Gillespie is... I think she's less selfish than Cruella. Now, she's still selfish. She's still doing things that she shouldn't do. But I think that she's thinking on a bigger world plane as to... Lauren Gillespie is in a jigsaw puzzle where there's one piece missing. She can't find it. She figures if she keeps rooting under the sofa, she's going to find it. Cruella is the woman who takes the jigsaw puzzle and throws it in the fire if it's not easy to make. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? So Lauren's digging around trying to find ways to find a way forward and doesn't show, tries to keep it all hidden. Whereas Cruella is much happier to let you know that she's very terrible, darling. Whereas um, Lauren wouldn't, she would keep her cards very close to her chest until she has to shiv you in the face and then she will <laughs> does that make sense that makes totally she sense. sort of did with warren with a kiss oh yeah so you, oh yeah oh yeah that's scene. Well, no, like he, he shivved me in the face hang on oh, oh, yeah. warren, warren shivved me in the face in that come on <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i have to say that line uh what is it like it's like kissing a reptile I was like, kissing a snake. Kissing a snake. snake. There you go. I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, but at the same token, super cool. I'm probably the only woman on Strike Back to have offered up her sexual services and been rejected. Like, that is not a badge anybody needs, but apparently I have it. Brilliant. (laughs) You know what? Actually, you share that badge with the other DEA agent that was on the show. That's true. The Kim Martinez character who got shot down by Stonebridge. So it's the DEA angle. Nobody wants to Nobody do wants it with the, the DEA. I'm going to have a word with Jack and say, what is your issue with the ladies from the DEA? <laughs> like, what is wrong with us? <laughs> <laughs> and poor Kim was cool. actually, you know, like, nice. 
she wasn't well, setting them up to be Warren used to just go and say, ah, it's the lady from the DEA. <laughs> the lady from the DEA. So, yes, it is, a, yeah, a plainly it's a DEA issue. That's all it is. What can you do? Um, speaking of Stonebridge, we, for a different interview, reached out to Philip Winchester um, for some insight into some questions that we could ask Milana Jackson, who played Kim Martinez. And, you know, for, for Philip, this was really, playing Stonebridge was the role of a lifetime, a dream come true. <clears throat> so he realizes he looks at it through, as he said, rose-tinted glasses. Um, yeah. But he also stressed, as everyone we've spoken to has said, that shooting this show is really, it's a marathon. There's a grind, you know, it's, it's, it's you're in it for the long haul. super, call. super, and, super, super hard. Do not underestimate how hard those actors work. It is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Genuinely, if you think the way I think of it, if I may, sorry to cut you off. I'm gonna, no, I'm, that's all right. I'm gonna give you the difference between someone working in an office, right? And someone mm-hmm. working in the ER. Now you might be doing, you're not really doing similar hours. Ostensibly your hours might be technically the same, but if you're working in an ER, you're probably working four or five hours longer than you should be. The fallout is much harder. Every hour you work, is emotionally, physically, and spiritually exhausting. You're at the end of your tether at all times, holding it together. And if you're working in an office and you're moving paper around and books and dealing with emails and maybe the odd dodgy office manager who might want to drop the hand, you can handle it. <laughs> but if you're working in the ER, and I think of the everyone who's working on Strike Back is working in the ER, loving it, but they're working in the ER. It's much more alive. What are we doing there? Mm-hmm. Oh, my best friends just brought me water and a cookie. Oh, I love so you. Lovely. You're the best. <laughs> uh, so it's it's more it's it's that like it's ostensibly the same office hours, but at a much higher frequency. Right. And Very intense. Nobody's gonna live or die and strike back in the way that they do in the ER. Please, anybody who wants to take this and go. Oh my God, no one's going to die. And you don't, I'm like, I get it. I understand. I'm just trying to give you an understanding of the level of intensity rather than equate being an actor to being a mm-hmm. doctor. Because obviously there is no comparison. I think that's Because we're pretending. <laughs> well, uh, we're just pretending. We are still just pretending. But you do get hurt, but you are still pretending. Exactly. You are still pretending. You still have to do and as real a doctor, you're not pretending. real stunts. And... Exactly. But you're, you know still if you're a doctor you're not pretending i hope i wish you could try this you hope (laughs) so even as a guest star your take on the show is very similar that it really is a a grind of a shoot and a marathon and one of the things that um philip suggests asking um and so we have been asking everyone this is what were the highs of being on this show for you and what were the low points huh okay Mm, the action Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. But I always loved that. I played um, Lady Jane and Dracula, and it was one of my favorite jobs because you're doing mind, body, soul. Like you're going, you're at Gurkha knives, and I'm chopping off things, and I'm fighting with stunt guys all the time, and I'm doing. I love all of that. I love the physicality. Um, I love the combination of brutal physicality and emotional cold, or I love emotional intensity and physical nothing. I love the massive contrasts that you get within that. On Strike Back, I got to learn how to, as I say, use AK-47s and you're running around and things are exploding and, and you're trying to find your timings and you've got stunt guys coming in going, okay, you got to do this right now. And I'd be like, stop, stop thinking, step to the side. You tell me what you need to tell me. So the, the director is going, here's the brain stuff. And then you move to the stunt guy who is giving you all the intense stuff. I'm like, right, go, tell me what you need. You guys don't then good. Okay. Thank you very much. Step away. And then the makeup artist has to come down to make it a little less disgusting. And so you're just trying to keep your the parts of your brain functioning so that you don't go poof. And um, like Alin was she was amazing because her physicality is so yeah. stunning, so badass, so badass. Mm-hmm. And I have to as a stu- as a guest star, you have to drop in. And pretend that you're at their level for at least the amount of time until you're either sacked or you finish the job. And thankfully, I got to finish the job. So it's it's one of those where the fear of getting it all right is 
the exciting bit because nothing makes you truly happy if it's super easy. It just doesn't. It's just how we're built as human beings. And that's why I think an awful lot of people are very bored and have because too much stuff comes too easy. So put yourself in a position where you have to really fight for something and work really hard for something. And then you just get this fantastic sense of achievement. And that's what I would do at the end of the day when I've got a shiner and I'm sweating out every pore in my body and I my hair is a bush and I look like I am honestly like a dead person and I'm exhausted and all I want to do is roll into a ball but instead I don't want to roll into a ball I want to get up and I want to let's go have a glass of wine and jump in the pool and have fun and god this is so amazing to be alive so that was the that was definitely the highlight of it I love that so much and I connect with that because here I am as a super introvert and shy person who hates to even use the phone and I'm like let's do a podcast and talk to celebrities <laughs> it's maybe not running around you know getting shot at but that's my fear thing but it's exciting it's your version of step into the fear and do it anyway right exactly right and that is fascinating and that is much more rewarding than i spent the night on the sofa in a safe place doing safe things being safe to myself which we all need at times obviously but you know so that was that was the highlight for me the lows of it I think really the low of that job for me was having to say goodbye, leave. I didn't want to. I loved it. I loved it. And I loved the exhaustion and I loved the sweat and I loved the camaraderie and I loved the storytelling and I loved the mosquitoes and I loved the crew and the cast. And I I just loved how it was so raw that you weren't in a safe studio in L.A., with would you like some non-dairy cashew nut cheese with your multi-grain cracker i love that it was just you know and i love that so that was the low for me was saying goodbye for sure thanks and tune in next week for another need to know session at the crib follow us on twitter at strike back crib out